0: Okay, there we go I'm back I'm here I'm real
1: it's nice to see you we're doing this it's nice to see you I'm coming to you from London which has been lovely great weather I'm not coming to you from London I always uh, surprised about the sound of seagulls here because I guess it's just close enough to the water that they really there's just so many seagulls it's kind of weird I don't hear any other birds in this whole city uh are you not a pigeon fan how do you feel about pigeons are you pro yeah, what do they sound like they're around but what do they really sound like I pigeon- oh yeah, yeah well i never really i never really hear those in the trees
0: but oh well okay. you're you're missing out i i love a pigeon uh i'm glad there are pigeons in baltimore that was a greatly missed mm-hmm. uh bird a lot of pigeons in amsterdam and then we moved to mexico and there are less pigeons in mexico at least where we were living and now pigeons are back. Pigeons are the most beautiful bird in the world, but because they're ubiquitous and uh, trash monsters, we ignore them and pretend like they are ordinary. Yeah, they're like but flying they are rats.
1: Not. But They're 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 pretty.
0: No. I agree. Gorgeous. They are they're, gorgeous. <laughs> they have purple, sparkly, shiny. It's it is a perfect bird. And I will not stand for pigeon slander. Flying rats, it, it, come it, it on!
1: Must, it must—it must be the like most photographed str- street photography animal. It must be the pigeon, because it, you know they're so yes. prevalent in cities, and that's where all street photography occurs. And I feel like I've seen, for whatever reason, pigeons utilized uh, really beautifully. You're right; it is a beautiful bird. Thank you for opening my eyes. I guess I never really beautiful thought of bird. it that way, but they're cool. I've always been a fan of pigeons. Yeah. Anyway, so London's been great. Uh, It was a very busy workshop yesterday, about 30 people, and it went really well. Uh, My co-workshopper teacher, Liam, was wonderful. Uh, I met him for the first time, but I was on his podcast maybe six months ago. Um, But yeah, we met the first time actually Monday evening uh, to just check out the studio space where we were teaching, Uh, and he's really cool. He's been doing wedding photography for... Like over 20 years or something like that so kind of kind of surprising is this your first
0: you... workshop in a while um in a minute hmm. right
1: yeah it is i yeah. know
0: you have some coming up but like this was the first one that you've taught this year or yes is that I think right so
1: i really can't remember but um the format was different than like my normal solo workshops. It was a shorter day overall with a little bit more relaxed kind of uh, in between break times. Normally I do take breaks but they're really quick and I do a lot of lecturing and there's one live shoot with a couple and then we come back and I edit everything and show people all the images up on the projector. Uh, This was more um, we each lectured for about an hour kind of outlining our process and I went into great detail to kind of try and explain this new process I've been using to get inspirational ideas while actively shooting. So that was really well received, thankfully, because it's the first time I've ever tried to explain it and see what people thought and what the reaction to it was. And, um, and then we went out and shot for two hours straight. <laughs> it was a lot of shooting. Uh, same couple, but we split the groups into 15 people each, and then we swapped groups. So it was um, a lot of shooting <laughs> it's yeah like shooting two engagement sessions back to back or something it's a lot for your brain and then it's really hard to remember uh all the talking points that i like to hit um when i do back to back because i kind of forget what i have already said or haven't said the second time around but it went fine it was good i'm really i was just looking through the, hit the photos me, hit me with uh, a, this
0: morning mm-hmm. hit me hit me with a sample talking point what, what
1: is a what is a oh. what is one of your go-to Yeah. So just kind of with the live shoot uh, portion, I sort of do a lot of talking up front, kind of explaining uh, some of the expectations with a couple, how I tell them, uh, if you're not hearing from me, assume whatever you're doing is exactly what you should be. I always make a point to say that. um, Just so that people, uh, you know, I also generally point out that if you're doing the opposite thing for too long, I will let you know because you don't have to think, are we smiling for this, are we being serious? Um, Yeah, if you're doing the opposite thing for too long, I'll I'll let you know and I don't want you in your head about that as long as your energy is focused on each other. That's a great kind of safe space to always be at. (laughs) So just focus on each other and I'll tell you if anything needs adjusting. I also talk about how I ask them if they have anything in their pockets that I can carry so that we're not dealing with cell phones and wallets and stuff that have to be shuffled around if we sit down or if it's, you know, creating a weird shape in their pocket. Uh, Those are a few of the starting ones. Just kind of generally talking through how I I try and empower uh, clients to have, you know, veto power. (laughs) Normally, uh, you know, sometimes you might ask, them to do something that you're like are you comfortable with that i don't know and and normally people just by addressing the fact that like hey uh you can tell me if, you, if i'm asking you to stand somewhere that's like too wet or sit somewhere that's too wet or if you're not comfortable at all let me know and we'll move on right into the next idea normally just saying that um wins them over enough that they just do anything you ask them to <laughs> but i just in my early years i would never kind of set that expectation i would always just sort of ask them to do things and yeah. uh you know I would try and detect if they were comfortable or not, but yeah, I've never, I don't think literally ever had somebody say, no, I don't want to do that. They just always do. So I think that's attributed to just setting clear expectations right out of the gate. Uh, once you start shooting, uh, and start walking around is is really key. Um, yeah, but there's endless. I mean, there's like, it's an, I kind of have talking points the entire time I'm going, uh, a lot of it's related to the light and what I'm looking for. And so that's very reactive to what the weather's doing in the moment. Kind of, especially with harsh light, how I look for certain shadows uh, to kind of guide where I'm going to position the couple. It's a, it's a good group. I'm excited for the photos. And the, I mean, at this point, it's fairly stress tested. Um, this whole little workflow process that I have yet to settle on a name for. Uh, but it absolutely, without a doubt, is making a huge difference in okay. my idea factory.
0: Okay, so when we're the the thing that you're talking about is the send a photo to mid journey, get results back from mid journey mm-hmm. while on your phone minutes later thing. That's what you're talking about, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, just, That's just it. want to confirm. Yep. So I have a question. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I promise I promise this is not a loaded question. It is a um it's a very simple and direct question. This, uh, how many couples have you shot with the your your AI powered idea maker machine? Um,
1: this was actually, I think, the first couple where it was working. Uh, seamlessly. Uh, I've tried it at a few other weddings, but yeah. um, I didn't have a solid uh, hotspot. I was hotspotting with my phone, which you can do, but uh, this other dedicated hotspot that I uh, bought specifically for this, and I also just have as a backup uh, connection when I'm traveling or yeah. in a wedding somewhere random. Um, so, this, I guess, was the first couple uh, that, yeah, it, I truly did it. So, it was about two hours of shooting. And uh, it was kind of neat because the, and and feel free to continue your question, but I just want to point out, um, because the end result files that are generated are just dumped to a Dropbox folder, I was able to give all of the people at the workshop a QR code to scan and they could just see in their browser the uh, AI output. And so they were able to observe how, what I was talking about. When I would look at my phone and say, oh, okay, it gives you four variances of the what it's rendering. And almost always one of them, I would say, okay, that one's giving me an an idea to try something and they could look at it and see. And and yeah, it was kind of, I think really helpful, uh, for them to kind of have a a live interaction.
0: So the other, the other times that you've worked with this, it's been when you have been working with, um, your model friend Mm -hmm. in Europe, Mm -hmm. uh, solo, right. And you, tried it the first time a couple, like a month ago, a month and a half ago or whatever it was when you were in Europe and yeah. it was not great. Was the, and you tried it again yeah, a few days ago and it was great.
1: Totally. Uh The big difference with the first, so the reason I wanted to uh, work with Chloe again is because it is uncomfortable for me to photograph a solo person. I'm very used to posing and getting ideas for poses with couples. It's, yep. I think much easier when you have just one person by themselves, it's tough. She's a professional model, but she still uh, likes and, and, you know, needs a lot of direction in in a certain way of kind of what I want out of the scene. So uh, that's one reason I wanted to uh, work with her solos because it's just a really difficult way for me to get creative. So I wanted to see if it helped too. Um, uh, the first time I worked with her in Prague was uh, early May. And the idea was just to use my phone, uh, using the mid journey to just send a picture of the scene from my phone and, you know, p- paste in a pre-written prompt or something that, uh, the reason that failed so uh, spectacularly <laughs> I would say is because, uh, the, it's just clunky to have to take a picture with your phone, paste something, wait for it to come back, and then look. It's just weird. And uh, the phone perspective, uh, the perspective of the source image you send the AI is super important. And the phone perspective is an iPhone picture. You know, I could zoom it in maybe to roughly get the same perspective of the focal length I'm shooting with. But I found uh, that by sending the um, the file directly from my camera, it's got that bokeh and perspective and overall general frame if i'm using the 50 or if i'm using the 24 or 14 uh what it generates um kind of maps that without me having to type anything to to achieve that so that's the other reason the phone failed big time is just it was way too different a perspective from what i was actually shooting Gotcha. Uh, so um yeah this um i worked with chloe two or three times in paris and Mont Saint-Michel and, uh, filmed, uh, somebody, uh, came along a very helpful woman named Claire, who's also a photographer and she filmed, the the process of working with Chloe. So I'm gonna, yeah, just kind of edit that together. The big thing for me was even with the workflow and the, the whole process being rock solid, uh, is it actually making a difference? You never know until you've had time. And I think we've talked about this before, like you need that. Yeah that time to see Uh, but i can already i can feel it i can see it in the the work from yesterday
0: yeah (laughs) okay okay let me let me (laughs) let me hit you with my very simple question before we keep going on that line of uh thinking my very simple question is it not just that you took photos with a single person again right like is it is it the ai or is it the fact that you've
1: been practicing this style because, of photography that you don't do ah i mean it, it was two months ago or a month and a half so it's not like it was fresh uh but the thing is i felt it even more yesterday with the with the couple photographing the couple the the ideas. Okay,
0: I was just no, I was just checking. Oh, okay, you, because it. like okay, cool. you don't you don't take photos of single people, and so like taking portraits of individual and then having it go better the second or third time is like, well, yeah, no shit, Sam. You totally, practiced. yeah.
1: And I mean, we have more time, and it's a, it's a beautiful location. So is Prague. So of course, but uh, no, 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 it, it definitely um, okay. is helping in a way uh, it's different than a comfortable. Or, comfort thing or a chemistry thing uh between me and who i'm photographing it's it's i can literally feel the the um like ideas in my brain firing up in a completely energized way uh it's hard to describe it's it's sort of like you know you see an inspiring photo that you may save to uh, an album or something because you want to like reference it and and I mean, that's what I used to do a long time ago when I was getting started, just like a little album so I could remember poses or something like that. And, and that can be very helpful. I think everybody kind of knows that feeling of like, oh, I love this photo. I wonder if I can like create my version of it. That's that's pretty right. exciting. But what's cool about the uh, AI output is that it doesn't recreate the person's face perfectly or anything really perfectly but it has enough similarity because it's weighting the source photo so heavily in the the way that i've written the prompt that they have the right color of clothing they have the right shape of clothing they have the right bone structure it's very similar to the bone structure of the person or people you're photographing and so and the context of the environment and the light is also very much what's actually there so you're looking at this like um what would you call it? I mean, there's people have names for them, almost like a Pinterest or a mood board uh, of exactly what you actually have to work with. Uh, it's kind of, kind of cool. I mean, very cool. I don't want to like yeah. oversell it. The problem is now that I'm finding, cause I'm convinced and you know, uh, more time is not necessary for me, but I, it would be nice to have more um, examples to show people of like, how, here's the inspirational photo from the mid journey. Here's the direction I took it. And Bam! You can like see the the improvement, but uh, the problem is going to be if anybody else wants to do this. I have no idea how to uh, set that up because it's like four or five different services that all have to talk to each other, and it's such a pain yeah. to set up. Like I, I, I could do it. And Midjourney doesn't each have a real API. Person. No, they don't. Yeah. yeah, and so technically, you could get banned. And so this might change also and break. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But also, um, I think they are working on an API. So once the official one is out, I'm sure it'll actually be even easier and more functional. But yeah, I do want to be able to, like, set it up and let people use it somehow. But it's not cheap, either. That's the other thing. Once I add up all the costs for all the various services, it's like, oh, wait, this is like, kind of expensive. <laughs> it's maybe like, I don't know. How expensive are we talking a here? Like hundred bucks a month. Because you have to pay for the the, um, the faster rendering speed in mid-journey. Uh, that, so that puts you on, like, the $50 tier. You have to pay for another service that does a lot of the automations. That's um, In order to get that to be fast enough, you have to be on, like, their $50 tier. So it's actually over $100 a month. One thing I was thinking was that I could just pay for the very expensive tiers on all the services and then just provide this thing as a service, set everybody up through my account because you wouldn't technically need uh, your own account to do this Uh, if you were able to just set your camera up i could give you ftp access i could give you a dedicated dropbox folder where all the files go and then bam just set it up that way uh and that would keep the costs down because if i was paying if i charged somebody 50 dollars a month or if they were on like that tier on my work or on patreon uh that would be enough to you know cover the overhead of however a couple hundred dollars a month i'd have to pay for the you know premium enterprise plan on all these services, you know, if I had 100 people using it, I would definitely have to pay for that. So anyway, a lot of thoughts spinning around about how to actually get it out there in the world. I could also just post the um, all the instructions of how I did it. But it's way too complex. I, I think uh, one in 100 people would actually take the time to set it all up, I think. So <laughs> we'll see. I mean, that's, that's, that's still pretty good.
0: That's a pretty good number. TBH. Maybe it was one in 100. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how many. Pe- I don't know how many of those hundred people are going to pay for it if it's just a hundred dollars a month or fifty dollars a month
1: or whatever. So, I yeah. think. Um, I. I don't know. I, that's a really good question. It's tough to because it's a process and a, a kind of method of shooting that's never existed before that I'm aware. And in such a seamless, real-time kind of way. It literally... I was getting turnarounds in like a minute right to my phone. So it was very seamless. So over time, as people become aware of like what the heck this is, I think they, they would be willing to pay. It, it's seriously firing up like a very new creative energy in my head. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm so excited. And what's really crazy is it's not even always... Uh, a totally new idea that I've never tried before. Half the time it's just reminding me of something of a pose or a composition that I've done before, but had like forgotten about. (laughs) And it just like motivates me to like, Oh yeah, I need to try that. Uh, Sideway pose or something that I did once two years ago and really liked but never remember uh, that that kind of stuff is is also I find very valuable. It randomly decided to create a motion blur photo where the subject was still in one and the uh, other person was moving, and it's like oh yeah I do this all the time I I, I just hadn't thought to do it. The uh, the only other thing I noticed was you have to be careful about the looking at your phone aspect because at first I was just constantly like checking my phone like to and and you know the the body language and unspoken process of doing that while shooting photographing people is kind of weird like you don't want them to feel like you're disconnected or not engaged so you kind of have to be a little more selective about maybe just looking at it as you're walking to the next shot or something like that Uh, that's the only other thing i'm still kind of feeling out the other kind of aspect that i'm wrestling with is it's almost never a good idea to explain exactly what you're going for in a shot. I mean, you can maybe loosely get like explain yeah. something, but I, I find that if I over-explain, like how why I'm using a prism and what it does and all that, people are just like, "What are you talking about?" It's really hard to understand if you're not a photographer, even ba- really basic concepts. But one of the things I'm struggling with is is do do I show them the AI output as something that I want to achieve or go for, or do I just try and instruct them into the the pose or the position or something because uh, it's so so much easier just be like oh can we try this and like show them the thing and then they immediately see and get it but as the person being photographed i don't want them to th- think i don't know it, it might just be weird if you're just a wedding client that knows nothing about photography or what i'm trying to achieve with that so i also think
0: there's the probably that level of um here's a you know it, it kind of hits at that same like can i see the photo right like no, yeah. but you can see an AI rendering of y- your photo we're about <laughs> yeah. to take. Like, that's not... Uh,
1: that's weird. It's so weird. Uh, that's a weird one. The thing is, too, a lot of the AI renders are hilarious uh, because they'll give you, like, an extra elbow. Yeah, because they're, cause they're bad, neck. right? Like They're bad. The, yeah. the shapes
0: the, are helpful, but, like, the actual exactly. renders are all trash. Pretty much.
1: Hashtag blast. Uh, for now. You know, it, it's something that well, for actually, always. yeah, hopefully <laughs> for always. But the, uh, yeah, uh, those are the only two parts of the whole process where I'm like, I don't want to have to explain what I'm doing. I would like to be able to just do this in the background and operate like normal. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's exciting. I'm, I'm really jazzed up about it. The only other Gotcha. I guess I keep saying the only, but there's, there's a few here. The, Canon, the only other four things yeah, that are sorry. problematic. The, so the only other thing that I was mentioning is the Canon process of getting an, an image off your camera is stupidly confusing to set up. But once you get it, it's, it's easy. Then uh, all you have to do is hit the set button and you can jump right back into shooting while it's sending in the background, which is great. Uh, but I don't know how seamless that is on a Sony. I think with Sony you have to you can send it to an FTP server, but you have to do it through a Bluetooth connection on your phone. So that is an added layer. I don't like I mean nothing is seamless on a Sony. Yeah. That's just
0: that's their whole
1: vibe, their their user experiences. Eh. Not you'll be fine. They actually they literally had like an app store. They tried to have an app store for their cameras at some point. Because there used to be a way to buy the feature of having double exposures in their cameras, <laughs> and then they got rid wow, of it. Wow, I hate that. Awful. Oh, yeah, so lame. <laughs> yeah, it didn't last long, thankfully. So, uh, and then Nikon, I'm not sure about either. I need to. I, I wish I, just, I still had the Z9 because I, I would I've definitely tested it. Um, but from well, you could pick
0: it, up a Z8
1: and uh yes that give it was my segue for one. you to to talk about the z8 which i would like to circle back to <laughs> in a second but yeah that from what i remember with the nikon dslrs that i owned you would almost always need like a little uh nub a wi-fi nub to, to like put into the side it was called like the wt-5 and it was like 800 bucks but maybe they have it built in wi-fi now i don't know it's been a while I, I assume so, they've got to, so... I would hope so. I guess it, I could wait. just look at their manuals. Uh, let's talk about, actually, uh, the Z8. What was your... Okay, you, so, no, you sprung that I, on me. I didn't know you were considering oh. getting a new camera. Okay, let me tell you. Let me tell... I've had a very
0: busy 10 days. So we Sam and I record on Fridays usually, but we are recording on a Tuesday today because of Travel This Last Weekend. Uh, And so from the last time we've recorded to now, I have shot two and a half things for money. I second shot a wedding, which was weird in and of itself, just existing in that mental uh, space and like activity of taking weddings. There's also like a weird, a, a weirder part of like second shooting, because like when you're second shooting, you're more like organizing people and like making sure that. Uh, you know, like phones are in pockets and whatever, and like corralling Mm -hmm. family members, and then also trying to take a nice photo for yourself. Uh, (laughs) and so, you know, like that was weird. But then, uh, after that, a, a couple of days after that, a friend recommended me, um, they had something come up so they couldn't shoot an event. So I shot an event on Saturday night. Uh, and then at that event, I photographed one of the bands that was performing and then they were like, Hey, do you want to come like shoot some of our shows? Maybe do some portraits. And I was like, yeah. uh, and so we did a couple of portraits nice. as they were leaving and then we're now sorting out the rest of it. So I've accidentally stumbled back into um, some photos, <laughs> a photography career. <laughs> yeah. That's a photography career. Yeah. I've <laughs> been, I've, uh, I've accidentally made like 1200 bucks or whatever in the last 10 days, you know, so okay. rinse and repeat every day, hooray, whatever. So the, a few things were like pretty clear. I don't mind second shooting. It's fun. I enjoy it. I will do it again. I'm not a hundred percent sure if I want to shoot a real wedding as the main guy, as the main, as the main yeah. fella, as the it's main f-
1: photographer. Experience as the primary. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I don't know why. Why? Right? Like it, it's the same. It's the same muscles, right? You know the yeah,
1: the psychological thing for sure. Well, and practical. Like you, there are family photos and such where you you have to you are the person that needs to drive that ship, and nobody else will. So that's yeah. That's but even then, I'm still driving that ship because
0: I'm taller and louder than most people, and like okay. better at organizing grandmas. So even when I'm second shooting, I like naturally fall into that role where i'm like hey everybody let's pay attention to me real quick uh, and then we're gonna get you back to the reception right and you do like your happy little stuff you and like compliment to grandma (laughs) as you're like shoving her out of the frame that sort of thing (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh... yeah
1: Yeah, but you know it's 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 still a myth like i that was one of my early strategies to to being more comfortable early on was i would try and trick myself into Feeling like I was the second shooter, even if I was the only photographer at the wedding, I was, st- I would still like, okay, you're just the second shooter. I had like put myself in that mind space because it freed up a lot of creative risk that I maybe yeah. wasn't taking. Yeah.
0: It felt, it felt weird. Cause like my, you know, my spiel and my, the conversation and, and like style that you fall into when you're shooting an event uh, is the same, right? You know, you know, like I, I still exist in events, even though I haven't been having professionally shooting events for a while. And so, you know, how I interact at a conference or how I interact at a happy hour that's for business or a networking event or whatever is, you know, the same sort of like a heightened level of personality, laughing easier, jokes, making more jokes, you know, yep. understanding, paying attention, whatever, and that doesn't change and that um naturally leads to feeling like um oh this is like an easy transition into oops right like there were moments when i was at the wedding where i was like i'm not for shooting like because i you know was like behaving like hey i see her you know like okay now do that wait nope nope right like sorry that's my bad right like directing a shot that uh mid shoot elsewhere you know and like i shot um I shot the groom's been getting ready while the other photographer shot the uh bride and her bridal party. And uh there's something like very enjoyable to me to successfully get a bunch of frat boys from college to all hop in the bed with their groom. Uh, you know, like getting ready photos, like, okay, everyone hop in bed and they're like, Wait what? And it's like all of you in the bed and they're like, Yeah, let's be weird, right? Like that level of <laughs> nice. uh I've, I've personally stuff is fun that, and easy I'm, to do for me yeah, oh my god i'll here. send you i'll send you the photos they're great Please. uh and then like the the event photography itself that was uh as easy as could be that was like a snooze snooze fest like okay. put my headphones in mm-hmm. disappeared that's you know like there's only there are only so many ways to take a photo of someone enjoying an art gallery or a concert uh yeah. and there are only so it's... many photos that you can take at a concert it's just like Make sure you get a couple of uh, emotional shots of the performance. I mean, you can get
1: really cool, creative stuff of the most mundane things, but it's like okay, you kind of have to choose where you want to put your energy. Everybody has a, you know a limited amount of creative potential, and for me, I choose to save all of that intense thought process and work to the couples' portraits. So, like, yeah. I, I've seen people photograph like incredibly cool perspectives of yeah, somebody just standing in front of whatever. But man, you gotta be yeah, I mean of course you know, your I didn't brain that. is just juiced out
0: by the you know our two. Yeah, of uh, I mean like come on juiced out gas myself up here. I phrase. was incredible. You can't say the word juiced out anymore. That's not no juiced out. <laughs> t- but the uh, <laughs> the the like the event itself was very easy, right? You know, like you take photos through people, you you put stuff in yeah. the way so there's depth in a spot there wasn't. And like all of it was like pretty fun. And I was like, "Oh, you know, this was uh, like it felt nice in a way that I wasn't expecting." I, you know, it didn't feel amazing. It wasn't like, "Oh shit, I can't wait to do this forever all the time. I'm going back." Let's you know like Adios. Everything else. I'm just a photographer now. I didn't want that, <laughs> but I was like, okay, no, I'm not mad if I like will end up shooting an event here, or there, or if I second shoot for someone, whatever. That's fine. Well, if I a friend need a second has shooter a wedding, for a wedding
1: uh, this Saturday, if you're interested, this Saturday. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I had one lined up, and he bailed. The problem is what, it's in Charlottesville, uh, so we'd have to road trip Charlottesville. Oh yeah. God, that's so far. There's a Torchy's I taco
0: in Charlottesville though. So I
1: know how random is that? It's
0: their expansion. The expansion. It's beautiful. Um, what time oh, we should not plan this thing because on the we podcast. Can, we can, okay. Yeah. We can we'll, plan, talk, we can plan this
1: post recording. Uh, <laughs> what is, can I just ask, this might be useful for listeners that are photographers, do you, being the marketing copywriting expert that you are, have a good way to posit the question on social media of like, hey, I need a second shooter, like when it's last minute or something, uh, without it seeming like, like I, I'm not going to post on social my socials, like, hey, I need a second shooter for this Saturday because my client will For this Saturday, we'll probably see it and be like, what the fuck? (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I did genuinely have someone lined up that canceled on me like two days ago. So I'm like, hmm, I do like the superpower of having a lot of followers. It removes a lot of friction when you need something, but that's an awkward one. Like the phrasing of it. Um, Uh, Phrase it as an open-ended thing of,
0: hey, just a reminder. uh, Occasionally I need second shooters. I would love if you're available and would want to be on the list of someone that gets contacted let me know and so everyone will then contact you and then you can privately follow up with uh okay what are you doing saturday yeah
1: (laughs) about tomorrow Uh, yes
0: yeah that's cool so like uh any 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 time here's here's the marketing and and content uh genius at work here are you ready Anytime there's information sure that you anymore. need to get across that you don't want to uh, be public, uh, just make it private. Just make it a way. Uh, just, like I know that sounds like very simple and dumb, but just make it private. Like just uh, just say, just "Hey, second shooters, get, get at people, me." Yeah,
1: to act as a filter and motivator to get them to reach out, and then yeah, that makes sense. I guess I have done that. Maybe yeah, once because before. the people the people that will
0: respond, uh, "Hey, I need a second shooter for Saturday," are like the only people who can shoot on saturday as opposed to hey i need some more second shooter recommendations volunteer yourself come this way you're gonna get a lot more responses a lot more varied your quality will be higher you'll you know hooray uh, but yeah, no, I think I should be able to do that. It depends on when we'd get back, probably. I don't know. We'll figure that out. Yeah, let's
1: talk later. But that's a, that's a future okay, thing. So, so at the end of the day, the z day what, is just like, you're just thinking this is a better camera for more. Well, dynamic, yeah. So I, I,
0: shot, I shot the groomsmen mm-hmm. with uh, my Q2 and the GFX uh, and, you know, like GFX, beautiful, wonderful thing. Uh, manual focus and, a f- you know, being stuck at 65 millimeters, not great for yeah, a small, you know, row house Airbnb, not great. And so, you know, like, ugh, it was a little slow. And so, you know, I I quickly set that aside for, okay, I'm going to like take individual portraits. I'm going to like, I know the shots that I'm going to take for this. I need now need to use the Q2 for this. And that was fine. But uh 27 is a little wide for... Uh, my style of like getting ready photos, I prefer 35 or 50. And so there was just like a couple of like, okay, that didn't feel great. And then for the ceremony, I used the, uh, photographer's backup R three or R one of the, one of the mirrorless cameras. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Using, uh, 85, uh, 1.2 and having real autofocus again right like the q2 the q2's autofocus (laughs) is great for what i use it for right like i'm primarily a street photographer and so you know leica's autofocus is wonderful for that uh event photography less great and so switching from handheld i need to do this myself or less than great to holy shit new level of Autofocus and tracking and like eye tracking and every, you know, everything that exists in a modern camera now, I haven't used uh, because my Nikon D810, my uh, eight year old bot, literally eight years and a month ago old, the DSLR is old, right? Like it still throws a light out to catch focus. Right, uh, the infrared I forgot about that
1: thing oh no it has a it has a no the literal light, tiny little light up. yeah it's funny
0: and I forgot about People... that until I was shooting an event uh, this last weekend <laughs> in a darkened amphitheater and I was like oh god uh, and so then I just like switched to manual focus because I didn't want to distract a performer or
1: anything and uh, you know uh, by it was the way my... slight slight tangent uh, just to mention because if anybody is still shooting with a DSLR uh, I started doing this pretty early on, but it took me a while to really appreciate how useful it was. The, um, the, if you have a flash that has a beam of infrared light to help acquire focus... I don't know that mirrorless cameras, I haven't seen it on any that I use. But anyway, if with the DSLR, a lot of flashes will have that. And if you have just the right flash, I think Nikon's do it really well and maybe one other brand. Uh, but you can actually memorize and get a sense of where the infrared light hits and be able to compose without having to look through your viewfinder, uh, roughly, of where your autofocus point is going to be. Because after a while, you can get a sense of exactly how that light correlates to your autofocus and framing and so I used to do that all the time for dancing pictures like holding it way way high up before they had flippy screens and it was super useful so if you haven't thought to use that infrared light in that way it's kind of like a laser pointer or something Uh, you should try it
0: continue no that's great I was I was just trying to confirm where I was on Saturday via text While I was like oh he's going into a great little segue I love this I'm gonna send a text (laughs)
1: you were talking about your show
0: yeah and, so like i shot the show and it was just like very clear that um while my dslr is great uh it's not it anymore right like it is yeah. uh, it is hard for me to charge money and turn these photos in um you know like the the noise performance was bad the low light performance was bad focusing yeah. was slow uh and it just didn't feel you know like iso uh the the uh on like the nikon d810 which is one of the greatest dslrs ever made right like Mm -hmm. arguably the best dslr that was ever made a digital dslr was the nikon d850 uh which is the next version up of this one right so they perfected this version and That was like the best DSLR that existed for years. And then Fuji was like, hey, we made mirrorless cameras and now everyone's making mirrorless (laughs) cameras. It's a beautiful camera. I love it. I have a wonderful time shooting with it, but it's old and it's slow. And if I'm going to be shooting in any way, shape or form, semi-regularly, professionally, I need something with real autofocus and low light performance
1: and yeah. well, the Z8 definitely has that it's, it's it's a dream it's probably even better than the the R6 that you tried uh yeah yeah so there are like a cheating. couple of
0: camera things that existed while I was um you know I I have I have brand loyalty you don't have brand loyalty as a camera guy you you flip-flop around you you know from Nikon to Canon, you'll try a Sony, whatever you'll buy and yep. hate a Leica. You 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 will try all sorts of cameras. I don't do that. Uh, I I do not like the color science. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't like the baseline colors of a Canon, and I just cannot get behind the. Usability of a Sony is like I understand why people do it and how people do it. I just don't myself. I nope. And so like I'm a Nikon guy, and I was like, okay, well I'm a Nikon guy. What's Nikon got for me? And then it just kept stumbling upwards. Well, originally I was like, I'm going to get a Fujifilm. I'm adoring the GFX. Everything about this has been a wonderful experience. I love it. I want another one. Give me a full frame mirrorless. Uh, camera Fuji, and Fuji mm-hmm. said, no, we don't have that. Yeah, <laughs> for some Fuji reason just, they just have.
1: totally skipped over full-frame sensors, I guess, just to differentiate and, I don't know, have a whatever. Uh, but the... Uh, oh, what was I going to say? Sorry, you mentioned something. Uh, I will say that that was one of the surprising things, uh, trying the Z9 for a while. The color science was, I think, superior to, to what Canon has, and I'd kind of forgotten that from you know, not having shot Nikon yeah. in five years or something, but the, it's just yeah, my baseline preference,
0: right? I was originally a Canon shooter, I had used Canon, right? Like, Canon 20D was the first DSLR I ever shot with. Uh, well, I mean, the first SLR I ever shot with was the A1, right? Like, Canon family mm-hmm. through and through growing up, and then uh, digital cameras existed hooray, had a 20D, a 30D at work, a 50D, perf- you know, like professionally, 5D Mach 2. In the studios I ran, like, uh, canon all the way. And then I um, took a, in 2015, uh, I took a last-minute flight to Guatemala to work with a medical nonprofit uh, to take photos and and video for their uh, work down there with the indigenous population. And I didn't want to take a cropped sensor. I wanted a full-frame sensor. So I emailed the multiple, like, lens rentals and... Uh, Lumoid and a few other that don't exist anymore I was like what do you got for me Uh, I would love you know like it's for a nonprofit. if you can donate it that'd be great would love this hooray Uh, and one of them was like yeah sure whatever man we'll send you a thing for a week have a great time in Guatemala Um, that's cool and I was like okay I would love this give me the Canon Mach you know 5D Mach 3 let's go and they were like we don't have that (laughs) Uh, but Ah. we have the Nikon equivalent And so they sent me the D810 and I used it and I was so mad because I hated it immediately. I was like, I don't like, I don't like Nikon. I don't, I miss my click wheel. I miss the, I I just miss, mm, I was very set in my ways. And then I downloaded the photos from the first day and I was like, oh, I'm a Nikon man. I did not know. (laughs) Okay, And like, that was it. Uh, and so like, I got home from Guatemala and I ended up booking a, um, a really fun project with that same nonprofit where we took all the photos I took and like made them into a book for their, uh, largest donors and sent like a thousand photo books in the mail to their donors. And that ruled and I used the money that I earned from that to like buy a whole nikon d810 kit because i adored it and i still do and now i want the z8 but you know what the z8 is let me tell you let me expensive tell you my problem with z8. yes okay
1: tell
0: me yeah expensive oh wow you knew right away look at you i love that mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so expensive and then even then yeah. like the other
1: ones you know like a z a z7 Two or Don't even whatever. bother with the other ones. It's like, the, yeah. That's the interesting thing. They oh, okay. um, So it's kind of the same move they pulled with the D700 and the D3. They've taken all the features, the sensor, the autofocus, everything from the flagship uh, Z9 and crammed it into a much more convenient smaller body, the Z8. So it's expensive, but you're getting actually a ton of value relative to the features and the cost because it is as good or better as the Z9. And, uh, yeah, that was one of the reasons uh, the D700 was so wildly popular back when uh, Nikon released that, because it had the sensor with the low-light performance of the D3, which everybody was like, oh, my God, it's amazing. And and it's always been funny to me that Nikon wasn't more popular because uh, not only the color science, but the autofocus and the features and the way that they implemented autofocus has always been superior to Canon. I think Canon just literally won out at least in the wedding market because they had 1.2 aperture lenses and there was a look to the lenses that arguably is better uh, in terms of character in bokeh but the nikon options the lenses aren't bad and a lot of people shot with like third-party lenses anyway back when you could do that uh can't do that on canon at least right now but the uh yeah the autofocus it was odd to me because i would teach workshops and like everybody would be shooting canon i was like why don't they shoot more like i do and i realized like oh it's because they literally don't have 3d tracking uh or if it was you could kind of hack your way together a certain combination of features to kind of get 3D tracking the way Nikon had it uh, on a Canon camera. But Nikon, you just hit a button and it was perfect and awesome. So I'm grateful to have just always, Nikon was my first DSLR ever. And so I just kind of stuck with it when I got started. So I guess I was brand loyal originally, but I kind of stopped caring about that once I realized how important and influential the Features and functionality of your camera is in shaping your process as a photographer. It's super important, and so uh, yeah, uh, I just go for whatever works best for my brain. And Canon is it right now? Sorry, but the Z eight. I don't remember. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's tempting me too. But
0: why did you why did you return the Z nine again? There was like one reason. Well, there were like two reasons. One of them I just thought
1: was bullshit. I remember okay. saying that's well,
0: bullshit. I need to fight with you about the, that.
1: The main reason is the 51.2, which would be my workhorse lens, is so freaking heavy. It's huge. And it's not only heavy, it's it's the size of it uh, physically, like putting it in and out of a bag and stuff. It's just a big, bulky lens. So I could I could deal with the weight, but I can't deal with the weight plus the awkwardness of, yeah. just Gotcha getting it okay it wasn't camera that. that's a big one because wait is... uh the other thing is the screen maybe the the pivoting flip out screen is really awkward uh oh but, yeah that was it yeah okay well it, it's pretty it bad it's it's, it's super awkward <laughs> well i'm maybe i'm just spoiled by how you. used to i am i'm with, with the canon flip out screen which isn't everybody's favorite think... a lot of people don't like that too but
0: Right. I think every flip out screen is terrible until you're used to it, and then it's useful and terrible. But, like, there's I am still yeah, terrified. I'm going to is. rip every single screen off. <laughs>
1: and so, yeah. you know, it being a little different, it's like, okay. I really liked the D850 flip out screen. It was, I was, I always found that very comfortable. But for whatever reason, Nikon, it, they almost over engineered it on the Z9, where it was, it didn't feel like you were ever going to rip it off because it was so rigid and tight. Like they, they needed to make something a little more fluid, but also not breakable. So I don't know, but I'm with you. It's you're exactly right. It's sort of the, okay, this is fine once you get used to it and you just kind of forget that it's awful. <laughs> that's a good way to put it.
0: And so I'm, you know, like I need something, right? Like if if I'm going to shoot a couple of concerts, or if I'm going to second shoot for you, right? Like, sure, of course I can borrow one of your cameras for second shooting, but like that's not going to fly for someone i don't know or don't have a close
1: personal yeah, friendship you, with right where i'm
0: like hey guys totally. i need." And it's an like, awkward thing need to be a switching professional...
1: camera, yeah camera platforms yeah. constantly if you're borrowing and uh, trading around like that's awkward because you want to get into a rhythm where the muscle memory is just taking over and you don't have to think about where's the setting to change this again uh so yeah owning your own body definitely helps with that yeah and so
0: i need that And, you know, I was told, so when I bought, you know, my DA10, I also then bought, you know, a bunch of lenses. So I have a, like a 35 prime, a 50 prime and a 24 to 72.8 because, you know, as we were told, as we've always been told, well, yeah, you buy lenses to keep forever and then you upgrade the bodies And then they changed the bodies, so then you have to get new lenses to fit things, or use an adapter that makes it a little slower and not as good. Actually, the the,
1: the adapter, no, the adapter, uh, the first one they released was bad, but they created a second version. It's called like FTZ2 or something like that from Nikon. That adapter is excellent. Uh, It's the same as the adapter, uh, I would say, that Canon originally launched with, which is another reason why I switched to Canon. Uh, with mirrorless uh, it actually improves the performance of the lens but to be better than what it is on a dslr so you'll be fine with the adapter but yeah it is it is annoying to have to adapt anything just to have that extra step yeah
0: i don't want it and like i don't know so now i'm stuck in this weird spot of okay well i should spend literally six thousand dollars to just buy a body and a Single
1: goddamn like
0: I don't know why every hobby I love is like outrageously expensive. And I know that yeah. someone's gonna send me a DM after this episode airs and they're gonna be like, You can just enjoy this cheaper cameras, Daniel, or keep using your DSLR, Daniel, and I say, I love you. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> right, like I don't have <laughs> Yeah. No, I it's like no, that... the the man, the focusing in and of itself is like
1: it removes Gate. so Just much function Yeah. I'm glad that you, you oh. were able to try and realize that. I hadn't understood that you hadn't really used a modern uh, mirrorless oh man, that, that was, was kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, well, I mean like, so I have, though, I have used like, if, if you're, cons- it, we have a weird delay. Definitely. If you're, yeah. um, do not, uh, do not take the cheaper used body option. If you're going to go in, go with the Z8. The Z7, z 7 II, or whatever, whatever other bodies other than the Z9 that Nikon has released, the autofocus is poor. And it's poorly implemented and weird and just silly. They got it right with the Z9, and I'm sure any other newer camera uh, will also be fine. But do not save money and get the Z7 and think it's going to be good enough. Wait for the Z8 yeah. if you're going to go Nikon man (laughs) sorry decisions see like the
0: here's the thing here's the here's my here's my thing and then and then i guess we'll just be done because we're like at time uh yes one of the things that's very nerve-wracking about this and or that just doesn't feel great in general is that it is very much a it's a, a leap of faith decision right and and like purchase of You know, okay, I have to pretty continually get some version of photography work for the next like six months, right? Like I need to shoot one to four or five things in a month for the next six months to make this worth it. And I need to enjoy it. Right. Like, sure. I've enjoyed it the last few times. Am I going to enjoy it on the eighth time when the novelty has worn off again? And now I'm just shooting an event or, uh, you know, like you have mentioned like, oh, I'll just you can uh, book a you can you can shoot something at the press club. And I'm like, oh, that sounds fun for the first time. But the second time (laughs) or the fifth time that I have to drive 90 minutes to D.C. to take photos of people in suits under fluorescent lights. Uh, for an hour and a half and then drive another 90 minutes back and then edit those for another night. And suddenly I've spent, you know, seven hours to get paid 500 bucks to
1: like, uh, and then, you know, like it's a, it's a weird. Just to break even on the body that you then realize you don't want to use because you're not happy with the things that you're booking. Yeah, it's, you're right. It is a leap of faith thing. That's a really good way to put it. But I do think it is more likely that you will enjoy uh whatever it is you're shooting if you also enjoy the camera you're using. And if you're frustrated or know that there's a better one out there or something like that, you're gonna be thinking about that while shooting and it's gonna it's gonna impact the quality of your enjoyment. Spend so, a lot of
0: yeah. I've spent like a lot of time over the last couple of months being weird about cameras in general because I have now, you know, have access to Uncle Sam's camera emporium. And, uh, you know, like borrowing all these different cameras has been really fun, but it's like, oh, there's so much I enjoy about photography. And there's also so much that's like at the edges. That's like awful, right? Like there's so much Mm -hmm. weird friction that comes with photography and sometimes that's, that's like really great and needed, right? You know, like the friction of manually focusing the GFX or, uh, shooting wide open and manually focusing the GFX, I think is like the thing that works for me, right? Like that is why that camera has been so prolific for me and why it's felt so good is because it's hard and it like requires me to slow down and be a little bit more careful and because of the file sizes are, you know, you take 5 photos and there's a goddamn gig of your computer just gone <laughs> yeah. forever. It's like, okay, well, Seriously. I'll be a little bit more uh, you know, I'll, I'll be a little bit more careful here. And, you know, like, nice. that friction's great, but, like, missing autofocus on, uh, you know, like, a guitar player while shooting a show, that's friction I hate. And that's friction that can be solved just yep. by spending <laughs> too much money. And, like, there's this other thing with photographers where we're always spending money and always trying to upgrade our shit and always try to do the best instead of just going out and making work with the stuff we have. And I am... <laughs> In that camp all the time. And yet here I am also knowing that my work will be significantly better, like the actual work work, not the, not the photos, but like the process of working and taking them will be less frictionless if I just spend money right now. And I hate that.
1: It sounds to me like you've convinced yourself already of the best decision to make, but
0: no, uh, I think that I am. Existing in late-stage capitalism with a hobby that I love where I have to monetize it a little bit accidentally.
1: I think that's what's happening. Fair enough. That's definitely a perspective, but I, I, you're, you know you're going to end up with it. so <laughs> You might as well just pull the trigger. Well, sure. That way you have a great of camera. I have We're to. I have to. to our uh, wedding this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's put a pin in it and... Uh, See, see where we land. Let's next see what week, happens next after... week. <laughs> Appreciate you.
0: Appreciate you. One, two, three, four.